I basically had like no choice but to become like a creepy girl witch kind of person. I think I was like five years old and we started watching The Craft and I wasn't freaked out at all. I was like, I want to be Sarah. Like Sarah's so cool. Hello and welcome to Your Magic. I'm Michelle T and today I'm talking to a creator of one of my favorite podcasts, Ash Kell. With her sister, Elena Urquhart, she hosts Morbid, a true crime podcast, which is exactly that, but it also delves into historical hauntings and other fascinating and creepy tales. We're going to talk Halloween, astrology, and inner children. After that, we're visited by singer-songwriter Kat Pierce, creator of the beautiful Wandering Star Tarot, who shares with us a bath spell to help flush trauma down the drain. Stay with us. Okay, so I don't know what's wrong with me, what sort of glitch in my wiring has produced this reality, but I love being scared. Maybe you do too. People spend hundreds of millions of dollars on haunted Halloween attractions every October, so I know I'm not alone. After the sad and hauntless Halloween of 2020, I've bought tickets to not one, not two, but three haunted attractions, including one where I'm going to be required to sign a waiver because there might be touching, electrical shock, insects, foul language, projectiles, moving floors, and claustrophobia. Apparently, I will also be armed with a safe word in case any of this proves to be too much. Now, why would I do this to myself? Well, in addition to being under the sway of a host of shadow goddesses, shout out to Hecate, my baddest witch, I figured there's probably something scientific at foot, so I hit the Google. And I found a Psychology Today piece by Christopher Dwyer, PhD, that broke it down for me. Like every other aspect of my life, my lust for fear is ruled by my biochemistry. When we get scared, our bodies get bombarded with endorphins, which fire up our opium receptors. We also get a bunch of dopamine, that beautiful high that often comes after a great workout. And we get a shot of dopamine's amped up sister, adrenaline, which floods our body with energy. But while all the frights are triggering these classic fight or flight hormones, our brain is registering that we're actually safe. That heady disconnect between what our minds know and what our bodies are reacting to is what we paid for, a manic and psychedelic, truly fantastical Halloween experience. This article also lists closeness with others as another reason people seek out scares. And every year for the past five or six, I've hit the Halloween haunts with my good friend Clint, another queer with serious goth damage. Our annual Fright Fests are a huge part of our bond. Other friends may come and go, but I wouldn't dream of trolling for terror without him. Like me, Clint is a sober addict, and surely we have some sort of twinning biochemistry that compels us to seek these natural highs. My own addiction always functioned under the philosophy, if some is good, more will be better, which is how I find myself this year looking for a new kind of kick in the form of the extreme waiver-requiring haunt. Maybe I'll encounter my horror limits and come crawling back to the haunted hayride with my forked tail between my legs. Or maybe I'll find that the surge of dopamine my body rewards me with for having survived being poked and zapped and insulted just isn't enough, man. You'll find me right back here next year, chasing the Halloween dragon, forever in search of an ever stronger, more deeply dreadful, chemical-sparking scare. Now let's get to Ash Kell. Ash 
Hello, Ash Kel. Thank you so much for being on your magic today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I really appreciate you wearing your black lipstick and your witch sweatshirt. Oh, yes. Always at all times. I'm such a huge fan of your morbid podcast. I want to know when you got so into the things in life that are morbid. What was your first sort of inkling in that dark direction? I would definitely have to say my sister, who's my co-host, Elena, obviously. I basically had like no choice but to become like a creepy girl witch kind of person. I think I was like five years old and she was babysitting me and we started watching The Craft and she was like, yeah, this is fine. And I was like, yeah, let's watch it. Like, I love this. And I wasn't freaked out at all. I was like, I want to be Sarah. Like, Sarah's so cool. That is so great. I love I love people whose witch origin stories involve the craft. So what inspired you guys to actually start doing the Morbid podcast? We had both been like super huge fans of true crime in general. Like then we always watched like documentaries together, like the old E! True Hollywood stories on like the Black Dahlia and the countdowns and everything like that. And one day we were just sitting with each other. We both listened to podcasts anyway. And Elena just kind of looked at me and we're always with each other anyway. So she was like, do you want to like, should we start a podcast? And I was like, yeah, dude, like, let's do that. That'd be so much fun. And she was like, let's do like a true crime podcast because she's an autopsy tech. So she has like that whole world of knowledge. And she was like, I think it'd be kind of funny because like you are who you are and we're so different. Like we could totally do this. And it's so successful because you guys have such a great rapport. And I love that you're from New England. I am too. And I'm wondering how, um, how if, it all has like being from New England influenced your style of of spooky. Oh, I definitely think New England inspires like spooky and everybody because I don't even know what it is about New England. There's just there's so much history here and there's so like there's just like this spooky vibe in the air. Plus we have fall. I think it definitely just made us like feel like we were witches from a young age. It's really true. Like I'm talking to you from Glendale, California. I've already got all my Halloween decorations out. Yes. You know, and it's there's some, but there's something so silly about it because it's like 90 degrees and <laughs> there's palm trees and right. there's like skele- skeletons and ghosts. Mine have been out since September. So it was like 85 degrees. And I was like, let's get real creepy already. Do you have any uh, spiritual practice? So I, that's like a tough question for me because I like to think that I do, but I'm also like a very lazy person and I'm not very consistent. But that's fine. Nobody is. I feel like we all put such pressure on ourselves to like be like witch like do yes. movers and shakers, you know what I mean? Like every month there's the new moon, there's the full moon. Yes. Like you gotta do your intentions, you gotta set out your crystals. You gotta put the moon water out. Oh God. Yeah, it's too much for anybody. Nobody can nobody can stay on top of all of it. No, it's true. So yeah, no, I definitely like to think of myself as like a little witch. And I think it's weird. I feel like this year especially I'm getting more drawn into that kind of realm of things. Like I do really kind of want to become Wiccan like very soon. I just think it'd be really cool. And I've been talking to my boyfriend about it and just like certain beliefs and stuff that I believe in like the universe. I believe in spirit guides and all that. So I want to get a little less lazy with it this year and really kind of immerse myself in it. Okay, so you do this true crime podcast, and sometimes you're talking about supernatural stuff, and sometimes you guys are getting into the details of very grisly, you know, things that humans do to other humans. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, do you have anything that you do to sort of like detox from that sometimes? Because I imagine it must be hard sometimes to have like soaked in a very grisly story 
for a period of time. Oh, yeah, it definitely can. I would be lying to you if I told you that I didn't sage myself a lot of the times when I was done doing these like really heavy, like handed research and everything. I have a spray bottle of just sage that'll just spray around me. And like, especially when we do like haunted places and stuff like that, I'm spraying around my computer, like don't escape from the internet and into my house, like get away from here. But once I'm finished researching, I'll watch like something silly on TV because I have to get out of that headspace. But there have been times where, especially with certain cases, they they do stay with you for months on end sometimes. Like there's been cases that I've done before where I'll start having like nightmares about them. So basically, I just try to like unwind with like silly TV or like something like that. Mouthwash movies. Yes. Right. After something disturbing. I find I really enjoy like Pee Wee Herman's oeuvre. I love that. Things like that. Just like anything Pee Wee Herman is just like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, because it's just like super lighthearted. I'm like a Bravo-holic. Anybody that listens to Morbid knows that. I'm like all the Real Housewives, like below deck, just like all of that stuff that doesn't really matter. And it's like not anybody's day-to-day life. I'm like, yeah, let's watch that. That makes me think of... I read this um, piece of like Hollywood gossip once that while Jennifer Lawrence was filming the film Mother, she kept a little sheet fork somewhere on the set with like a TV that was just playing the Kardashians. Right. That's and perfect. she would just like, yeah, when there was a break in, in filming, because it was such an intense role for her, she would just go in to this little, you know, ambient chill room she'd constructed and just like hang out with the Kardashians. I love that because it's two totally separate wavelengths. Like you're on way opposite ends of the spectrum there. Yeah. So do you, um, you guys do so much research. Um, Have you ever actually gone to like a haunted spot to do research? We did a recording actually at the Lizzie Borden house. And it was in like being from Mass, obviously, I'm sure, you know, in Fall River, her house is there where the crime happened and everything. And it's like a bed and breakfast now. So you can spend the night there. We were like, hell yeah, let's do that. So we did and we recorded the episode there and so many freaky things happened during that recording. Even things that we didn't pick up on like at the time and then listening back or someone else would listen and be like, this minute, Mark, like, did you guys hear that? And we were like, oh, like, no, we didn't. You know, what's so interesting is and I, I think about this listening to your podcast and other true crime podcasts. It's like the more time happens between these sort of horrifying incidents they sort of lose that chilling sickening edge like if you listen to a crime that takes place in sort of more contemporary like in our lifetime or are not that you know far before we were born it's so you know the the real the horror is really visceral oh yeah right and then you can listen to things that happened like the lizzie borden story or you know, farther back in history, it becomes almost mythological. No, you're right. It really does. It's really interesting. Um, that has such a different effect. And you're like, oh, like you think about like Jack the Ripper and it's like, right. you know, it's like a boogeyman. Yeah, it's like a creepy tale because for, for some reason it almost doesn't seem real because we didn't, we weren't around when it was being reported on. But you're like, no, that was really real. And like Jack the Ripper, like so scary, terrifying. Why do you think we are drawn to these stories? What What is it about these intense stories that we can't get enough of. I think like the big part of it is it's like, oh, that could never happen to me. Like, I think that's kind of what draws you to it. And like, that's why you can sit in your living room at night and like consume that because you're like, no, like that would never happen to me. And then I th- I don't even know what it is that keeps because like, even for me, I think it's just so 
interesting, but also so sad that these things do happen to people. And like you said, there is so much controversy going on right now in the true crime space. But I think with Morbid especially, we try to always talk about it from like the victim side and honor the victim's memory and keep it going, you know, like especially unsolved cases, like spread the word. Here are the sources that you can go to to like make sure this gets on the right person's desk or make sure that the right legislature bill gets passed to make sure that this doesn't happen again. I really appreciate how you guys talk about the victims. Like you really do talk about them with such love and admiration. And I really appreciate that. And that's the thing, like you spend so much time with these people that you do kind of feel like after a certain point, like you're writing about your friend or you're writing about like a lot of times, especially cases where there's a lot of times we cover females because that's usually the victim, most prevalent kind of victim. And especially like when they have sisters, I always think of Elena. And I'm like, then I start to feel like I'm writing about my sister and I know she'll do the same. You know, you get really connected. What are your plans for this Halloween? How do you celebrate the high holiday of Halloween? It's been so different lately and it's such a bummer because of COVID, obviously. Things are, everything's just changed so much. I mean, usually I would go out with my friends to like 47 bars and dress up as something super fun and do kind of like a bar crawl. And then the past couple years, Elena has three kids and we're just like super close. So I'm always with them. So I think I'll just go like trick or treating with them around my neighborhood, around their neighborhood and get them ready for Halloween. And I think my boyfriend and I are going to do like a couple's costume this year. Oh, that's so cute. What are you guys going to be? Last year, we were uh, all of us had to dress up as Toy Story characters for Elena's kids. So we chose to be Barbie and Buzz Lightyear. And this year, there's no theme involved, I guess. We, we heard from the girls that we were free to do what we wanted. So I think we're going to be Jack and Sally. Oh, that's so cute. Classic. Me and my me and my fiance are, are flirting with the idea of Gomez and Morticia. I love that. It's classic, right? And we are, but we are also held hostage by the costume choices of the child. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about astrology because because I really love um, how on the Morbid podcast, you're sort of learning astrology in real time. <laughs> yes, very much. Did you mistakenly, you mistakenly said that somebody, some like serial killer was some sign and he wasn't it? Oh yeah, like four times a day. I'm like, oh yeah, he's definitely a Pisces. And Elena's like, let's look that up. And it's like, he's a Leo. <laughs> oh no. I'm always wrong. Have you ever seen that list? It's like on the internet where it gives all of the signs, the astrological sun signs of like all of the most like prominent serial killers. Yes. And there's so many Geminis. It terrifies me because I am a Gemini. I'm like, I swear, guys, I'm normal. Like, I'm not going to do anything. Oh, my God. There's a lot of Sagittarians, too. And that's my rising sign. So that's good. Well, you're in the right. You're in the right industry. I guess so. Well, I have a deck of tarot cards with me, and I'm wondering if I can pull some cards for you. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm so excited. Cool. What um, Do you have a question? Is there anything you'd like to, to know about, get some insight or clarity? So I guess what my question is, I have like, if you listen to Morbid, I think you kind of know, like I have a tough relationship with my mom. I kind of want to know like what the future holds for that. Okay. Um, let's see. I can see, I can pull some cards and ask just like, yeah, what is the future hold? Are you in touch with your mom right now? I'm not. You're not for now. Okay. Let's see what the future holds between you guys. I know that that is something that so many of our readers can relate to. And I can, I can relate to that. I've gone through periods where I've had to stop having contact with my mom. Okay. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I am sorry to say that it does not look like it's getting better. 
You know, that's not surprising and almost like a little bit relieving. It is. It can be. I mean, sometimes like even getting bad news from the tarot is validating. You're like, I'm not crazy. I'm not overreacting. There is real toxic energy here. And and there is. That's what I'm seeing. I mean, wow. Yeah. The first card that came up is the three of swords and it's called sorrow in this deck. um, And it's Saturn in Libra. And so, you know, it's a really heartbreaking card. And this, I think, speaks to, you know, the sadness of of having to of being in a situation where you have to cut off somebody who's so primary to you emotionally. It's like our parents, whether we like it or not, they're so, they're so primary, they're so formative. And, um, you know, the Libra is the impulse to, to try to like, well, maybe I can figure this out. Maybe <laughs> I can, maybe I can work with this. Maybe I can harmonize the experience. And Saturn is coming in like, no, you can't. It's like, girl, don't do it. Don't keep trying. Yeah don't you need a boundary I mean Saturn is is so good with boundaries Libra's like I don't need a boundary I'm just gonna be more giving and I'll do something a little different I'll just people please exactly and Saturn's like it's so bad for you no the next card that you get here is another swords card it's the nine of swords which I mean oh my gosh talk about a Halloween card it's a nine red swords dripping blood it's like they don't really they don't fuck around yeah that does not look promising no it's it's called cruelty in this in this deck and it's an it's um it's Mars in Gemini. And I'm always really thinking about why why Mars in Gemini. I have some ideas I can get into. But, you know, the point of this card is that it's like, you know, when this when this card comes up, it's it is it's always possible someone's being cruel to you. And I'm guessing that there was something about the relationship with your mother where there was a cruelty or you weren't being cared for, you know, that you have to protect yourself from. And, and it's intellectual. So I'm sure it took the form of conversations and words and and bad points of view toxic points of view and things like that all of the above oh i'm so sorry i'm so so sorry thank you the thing that is scary about this card is that these toxic thoughts can infect our own mind and then we're having to struggle with you know bad negative thoughts inside of ourselves or internalizing things that people think or say so it's really good that you have boundaries because this is like you don't want to let this in and, you know, Mars, the, I think what the Mars in Gemini is, is like, you know, Gemini, shadow sides of Gemini. There's, I mean, the thing that's brilliant about Gemini is that you are brilliant. You are, it's like you're conductors of so much energy. It's like you have extra antenna in your aura and you're pulling in more energy, more consciousness from from the you know, universe than than the average person is. That can be hard. Oh, yeah. Also, it can unhinge somebody. It can be it's like you can't turn it off sometimes. Yeah, you can't turn it off. And if somebody doesn't have a filter around like what ideas are good, healthy, helpful ideas and what ideas are toxic and ignorant ideas, like it's just, you know, it's like and then that Mars makes us it, the Mars um, energy really entitles that Gemini energy to kind of like put it out into the world. So this is just about putting out bad energy into the world, bad ideas out into the world. So yeah, you, you have to protect yourself from that. That's really clear. And you know, this is your final card in the reading is really interesting. It's, it's the eight of cups and it's called indolence in this. And it's another Saturn card. It's Saturn and Pisces. 
And, you know, what this is about is that, like, there's something emotional that's being neglected. What I would say about this is that, like, you were being neglected in that relationship. This is a relationship that, like, neglects you. It does not care for your heart. Mm-hmm. It doesn't care for your emotions. And that in order for you to be present in, in the relationship, you almost have to neglect yourself. It's like you have to throw yourself yeah. under the bus a little bit. That's what I'm seeing in this. I do also want to say that, like, you know, those aspects of yourself that were neglected, it's like, if there's anything that you can do especially since you want to um I don't know start start taking like a Wiccan practice a little bit more not more seriously but you want to become more active with a Wiccan practice I would say that like looking for spells that like heal your heart and like heal oh my god I'm gonna say it I'm so sorry forgive me your inner child oh my god no because that's what I'm trying to do in therapy and sometimes I'm like is this working and like I know that it is but I'm like can I just do a spell for this like can it happen faster spells support therapeutic work like absolutely I think that like I think everyone should be in therapy (laughs) this is also popping up to just say that like you know that the tarot sees you and it sees that this part of your that that, this really core beautiful aspects of your emotional self have been neglected and not seen so anything that you can do therapy is amazing but you know with spell work also to just sort of honor your inner child and honor who you are and you know mother yourself I mean it's such a weird thing but I think that you know those of us who have experienced poor parenting part of dealing with that and accepting that is then like okay well how can I parent myself and because we can a little bit oh definitely we can really recognize yeah we can recognize that there are these like lovely little parts of ourselves that need nurturing and give ourselves treats one thing that you could do is just like really sweet magical work that like that sort of supports the, the sweetness of your own self and the sweetness of who you are and just like giving yourself gifts and, and treats and ritualize it a little bit I can do that for sure good, good. thank you so much that was like amazing and very validating Hi, I'm Kat Pierce, the creator of Wandering Star Tarot, and the ritual that I want to share is an element ritual. It's meant to help you get out of your head and into your body and help flush any trauma that may be hiding within the physical form. Okay, here's what you'll need for the ritual. For the water element, you need a bathtub filled with hot water, earth element, Epsom salts, lavender, and frankincense oil or any essential oil that you love. For the fire element, you need a candle, sage, or palo santo, something to burn. For the air element, your own deep cleansing breaths. I like to do this ritual when I'm feeling unsettled or triggered and kind of get into a mind loop about something. I think generally if it feels out of proportion to what's happening, it's probably triggering some sort of old trauma that may be hiding out in the body. This ritual helps settle and ground you and will help move the uncomfortable feelings out of your immediate experience. Light your candle as you fill the bath and you can burn some Palo Santo or Sage, anything that's gonna make the atmosphere really relaxing and anything that's gonna heighten your senses and get you in touch with the body and out of the mind. Bless the flame by thanking it for its energy and power of transmutation. Bless the water with some loving words to activate its healing properties. Thank the water for its ability to cleanse you body and spirit. Add your essential oils and Epsom salts as you get in the water. Bless these elements by thanking them for their grounding properties. Now take deep, slow cleansing breaths and imagine your breath is a purifying wind that's going to clear all the emotional debris out of your body. Relax, breathe, and do body scans and become aware of where you feel discomfort in your body. Send deep healing breaths to those areas in particular. When you feel you're done, let the water drain while still lying down in the tub and feel the weight of the water pulling your fears, grief, and trauma right out of your body and down the drain. 
You should feel a whole lot better and lighter and clearer. Now dry yourself off, rub some coconut or almond oil into your skin, and replenish yourself with a glass of cool water. Thank you, Kat Pierce. I really love that ritual and can imagine how the sensation of the water being pulled off your body would feel really powerful and purifying. I can't wait to try it. Halloween can be a mixed bag for many of us. A lot of violent imagery can understandably trigger anxieties and traumas, so this spell is being shared at a great time. But this week isn't just about Halloween horrors. It's also Samhain, an ancient Celtic pagan holiday tons of modern Wiccans observe with ritual and feasting. And it's immediately followed by Dia de los Muertos, the life-affirming Mexican holiday that honors the dead. Whether you're submitting to the scares of a stranger, bringing a picnic to the grave of an ancestor, or just slipping some Snickers into a kid's plastic jack-o'-lantern, we at Your Magic hope you have a meaningful holiday. Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Is Your Magic. You can subscribe to us right here on Spotify. Do what you have to to never miss an episode. And sign up for our newsletter at thisisyourmagic.com and get more musings from our team of spiritual seekers. And you can email us at hello at thisisyourmagic.com. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, and Vera Blossom. We got production support from Raven Yamamoto. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Tune in next week for a conversation with Courtney LaPlante. Thanks for listening.